Well, good evening. While the guys get their sound sorted and their muffledness sorted, I'll just introduce myself so you know who's in front of you. Um, my name is Clarence Rule. Uh, it's spelled R-U-L-E, and some people call me exception, um, but you don't have to. Um, I'm married. My wife's name is Azalea, and she would have loved to be here tonight. Um, but I've got second best. I've got Fred with me. <laughs> um, there's still a bit of a buzz and feedback. Can I stand further back? I'm not sure. Okay. So, so just so you know, uh, we're from Sunningdale PM, but I haven't been there all along. I've, I've actually I grew up in uh, Strand, Gordon's Bay area. Then 10 years ago, um, moved to Vista, planted a church there. And uh, then October, two years ago, this October will be two years, we brought the church into Josh Jen and became part of Josh Jen, handed it over. And what I've been doing ever since is going around preaching in different Josh Jen uh, congregations, and I, I just love it. But you would have noticed that I walk a bit with a limp. I walk a bit with a, a, a slider. Um, it's not because I'm from Mitchell's Plain. It's just because, uh, like I said, I grew up in the Strand, but I had a stroke two years ago, and uh, I was paralyzed on the one side, uh, but God has done an amazing job. And then I had another stroke on the 16th of December last year, and now my brother calls me two-stroke. <laughs> so, um, <coughs> but it's true. That's what he calls me, but now you know who I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, as, as myself and my wife prayed about tonight, last night she gave me a word, she said distraction. She didn't give me a meaning, she, she said she feels the word distraction. And I really, as we worshipped, as the meeting started, I felt it's a word that we should take serious. Um, one is that, on the one hand, God doesn't want you to look at distractions, but to keep your focus on Him. I think the, the ideal example was right at the start when for no reason that keyboard that worked when I walked in here didn't want to work, right? It's a, and it became a distraction. I'm sure most of you sitting here found it difficult to start worshipping until they had that sorted out. But, but that's how distractions work. It distracts you from worshipping God giving him the rightful place. So in the one sense, I feel the word that Azalea had distraction is, is to, to warn us to not get distracted from what God, what God has for us and, and to get distracted from God himself. But on the other hand, I think the message tonight that, the God has laid on, that God has laid on my heart is to deal with distractions in your life, to sort it out. And I think that word, I don't think I know that the word about God has unlocked the cage, is, is, that is it. That is what God wants to say tonight. Is that if you remain in that cage, it's not because of him. It's because of you not making the decision to come out of it. There's a saying that, that unforgiveness imprisons you. But, but the horrible thing about unforgiveness is that after a while you will discover that you've been in this prison cell of unforgiveness, but it's never been locked. You could have walked out long ago, 
but you assumed that you locked locked in. But God is saying, I've unlocked the cage. Unlock the cage. Are you ready to walk out of there? So we're going to read, a, I think, one of the most well-known portions of Scripture. Um, I, think, I think it's the most preached portion of Scripture. And it's Luke chapter 15 and the story about the prodigal son. And so if, if you have expected something great and fireworks, now we're just going to do the prodigal son today. Because somebody needs to come home. Somebody needs to come home tonight. Somebody needs to be restored. Here we go. Luke 15, verse 11. And here is, this is, for just as for, 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 for the record, this portion of scripture has not been sponsored by Hyundai. Because the, the intro line says, there was a man who had two sons. <laughs> so I just want to clear that up. That's how deep I'm going to get theologically. Right. He had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Um, and not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. Now, I'm sure by now you're saying, oh, this is not for me tonight, because that's not me. And, and you have all the right to say that. But I'm asking you just to pay attention a little bit longer, and we might get to you. And when he had spent everything, a, s a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything but when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called a son. Your son, treat me as one of your hired servants. And his father arose and came. Arose and came, and he arose and came to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And we'll, we'll read till there for now. We might reference more scriptures later on. I'm going to use a, a line that comes out of a song that Bono sang. And I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Want to give this sermon a heading? I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And the interesting thing is you might be sitting here tonight and, and you have been invited here. It's maybe, maybe it's your third or second time here. And, and you haven't really gotten your head around this Jesus thing yet and why people get excited in singing and all that. And, and you're still trying wrestling your way through that. And, and, and you might be saying tonight, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And that's understandable. But then you might be here and you might be saved 
four or five years and you thought that first two years everything's just going great but but now the real strain is kicking in and life is happening to you normally that happens when you get married but even before that it could it could happen to you and you might be saying i still haven't found what i'm looking for but then again there might be people like like myself here I mean, I've, I've, been married 50, uh, I've been married 36 years, but I've been saved 51 years. And, and you might be here, and you, you might be close to that. And th- there is a possibility that you still haven't found what you're looking for. And the thing about distraction is that that word became very real to me tonight as we worshipped, is that, that we... We've got this thing where we want to walk this walk with God. We are, we are in it and we're serious about it. We really want to serve Jesus. And we don't even know when we get distracted. Or we don't even know when we got distracted. And we started following something that looked like a walk with Jesus. I always think about when I come out of the waterfront in Cape Town, for those who have to take their wife shopping there. Um, when you come out of the waterfront, there's that Audi garage with the R8 standing there, the red one, that, that Audi garage. Then you get your robot and you turn left. And then there's two or three lanes there. And then it becomes four lanes. Now, if you stay in the second lane from the left, you don't have to turn your steering wheel in any way. You just have to sit there. And if you don't pay attention, you could land on the N1 or you could land on the N2. And if you're not paying attention, you could land up in Joburg or Durban <laughs> without consciously changing direction. And that's what distraction does. It gets you in a moment to change direction, and you don't even know you've done that. And then 30 or 40 years later, you're battling in life, and you don't know why. And God wants to, wants to deal with that distraction in your life tonight. So, in each one of us, in each one of us, there is a God-shaped void that only God can fill. And what we're looking for is God, but we're filling that void with other stuff, trying to find something to fill that void. And if we we don't fill that void intentionally, other stuff will try and fill it, but you will never find what you're looking for. When you find fulfillment in God, then you know. I've got a, I've got a friend in, in Somerset West, and he's a surgeon. He used to sail in. He was actually part of the, the crew that won the first Cape to Rio yacht race with Bertie Reed, and he's got a yacht. So we used to start sailing in, 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 in uh, uh, races in, in False Bay, and I, I just enjoyed being on his yacht with him. And he used to say this, Afrikaans guy used to say this, when you know in your knower, then you know. When you know in your knower, then you know. When, when you experience God and you fill that void with God, you will know that you have found what you're looking for. And maybe as you sit here, you could have been, you know, you might not even be on this road to salvation. You might have just come onto this road to salvation. You might have been on this road 30 or 40 years. But if you don't know that that void is filled with God, then tonight you need to deal with the distraction that got you to where you're at. 
The distraction that's, uh, and I didn't mean to go down this road, it's just like now <laughs> it's being highlighted. The distraction is a master stroke that the enemy has managed to get right. Because inside of us, even, even though we don't, we don't want to classify ourselves as addicts, but inside of us there's that little craving for the next dopamine fix. Some of us find it on our cell phones. We might not find it in drugs. We might not find it in alcohol because we, we're stronger than that. But you walk into a restaurant, sit down, your wife hasn't even looked at what you want and you've got your phone out. I mean, you could just as well WhatsApp one another, but what do you want to eat? <laughs> That's how it looks. I'm always wondering, what are they saying? Because they're always busy. But, but you, might not, you might feel that you're fine because you don't do drugs. You don't do alcohol. But you f- you're feeding the dopamine craving, dopamine cra- craving with something else. And it's not God. And the enemy has, has managed to, to improve the toys that distract us. Distract us. There's no better cause that is now. There's never been cars like the cars we have now. There's never been cell phones. I mean, some of the cell phones that we have are almost better than the ones NASA had when they put a man on the moon. I'm a bit behind other stuff, you know, so technically the uh, challenge. Um, but but there, are, there are things that we possess that mankind never had before. And those are the things that has the ability to distract us from seeking God. And when God is highlighting something tonight, if God is highlighting whatever that thing is, then I suggest you deal with it. Because our God is a God that unlocks cages. Our God is a God that sets free. But our God is not a God that will force you out of the cage. He will invite you out. And you need to follow him into what he has for you. Life has become so fast. Life is all about (laughs) making enough money for retirement. Life is all about increasing your business, uh, just doing it bigger. I mean, the rat race has set a new world record, and the rats won. We're so entrenched in what society ties us up in, and then we wonder why we haven't found what we're looking for. let's, Let's look at this young guy's life and see what happened here. The problem starts with, with, with these two words. He says to his father, give me. Give me my inheritance. Now, if I, I mean, I didn't get very far in, in, in school and all that. My best, my best four years was in matric. Um, <laughs> so I, I didn't get, uh, I mean, I'm not a learned man. But somehow your inheritance shouldn't happen while the guy that's giving it to you is still alive. That's what I understand. So when you're asking for your inheritance ahead of time, there's a disrespect for the one that decides when you should have it. And our inheritance is something that I, I, I knew a guy or know a guy, a friend of mine, 
not going to mention names, but a friend of mine inherited an unhealthy amount of money. Really. And his dad said to him that he worked hard and it was a pleasure to gather that money. And he said to his dad, it's going to be a pleasure to spend it. And people think, you can see when someone inherited money and when they worked for money. But the idea of inheritance is that not to spend it, but it should set you up that you could live and enjoy it, but make more of it. So that you can give more to those who follow you. And the problem is that in three areas, we, we, we've asked, we, we yearn for our inheritance, it's money. We want money that we, that's why we live on credit. We want money that's not ours now, that we might have, we want to spend it now. The other two areas that I'm actually going to focus on more is in ministry, you could demand your inheritance before it's actually due to you. And that causes a lifetime of disappointment and heartache. The one that I, I feel God's highlighting here tonight is marriage. How are we dealing with our inheritance in marriage. So let's look at this quickly. We've got two examples here. One of a guy who got his inheritance before the time because he demanded it. He demanded everything that he should never have asked for. And then we have his brother <laughs> who inherited with him. Some people thought the young guy inherited alone, but his elder brother got got twice the amount he got because that's the way it works. Elder brother gets two portions and, and the younger brother one portion. But it says the father divided the money or the, the, what the inheritance between them. So he got his. Younger brother got asked for everything he should have never asked for and the elder brother never accessed anything he could have because he had his inheritance. And those are the two areas that we're battling with in ministry, in finance, and in marriage. That we access, because of our, dis our, our impatience for what's due to me, we actually demand our inheritance, and some of us have demanded our, our inheritance prematurely, and some of us have not lived in what we, what's ours actually, because we have not accessed our inheritance. So just let, let's look at a few stuff here. If you... If you demand your inheritance before the time, it's going to end up in emotional brokenness because you're not ready for what's coming to you. And it ends up in emotional brokenness because you end up with disappointment because it didn't turn out the way you expected it to turn out. So specifically in marriage, how does that look like? And I'm speaking to young people here tonight, and I'm going to speak to older people as well. It's very quiet in here. They're scared of something. <laughs> I'm like, am I stepping on somebody's toes or something? But anyway, there we go. People, people are living un emotionally unfulfilled lives because they, they, their desire to fulfill their craving for their inheritance overcame their wisdom. What do I mean by that? You see, 
when you, when you are patient enough to wait until you get married, to then access your inheritance, what God has for you, then there's a blessing on that. But when we access our inheritance, and I'm talking about sexual intimacy outside of marriage, when we access our inheritance prematurely, it ends up in brokenness. And there are people, this is a warning to young people, do not become part, do not become the reason for somebody else's brokenness. Because you cannot manage your desire for your inheritance and, and wait patiently until, until the day is due. People have forced their inability to manage their lives onto other people, and it ends up in brokenness. So make a decision here tonight, young person. Your dad can explain to you what I'm saying later on. Okay? But make a decision here that you will not be part, you will not contribute to the brokenness of somebody else because you're impatient for your inheritance. Make a decision here today because there are people sitting here, I promise you, there are people sitting here and they might have been married for 20 or 30 years and the core thing of their argument, the, when they do argue or when they do take strain in their marriage, it's because of brokenness that happened outside of marriage. I call it the pigsty moment. There are moments when you've claimed your inheritance, but it ends up in the pigsty. And then when you're in the pigsty, you want to eat stuff that you would never have eaten before. It says that he spent everything, and when he spent everything, he became in want. And then he joined himself to a, a man that he would never have joined himself to. And if you, if you bring that back into spiritual terms, I'm talking about soul ties. The Bible says he joined himself to that man. People are battling in marriages. People are battling in ministry. People are battling with their finances because of pigsty moments that they should never land at because they wanted their inheritance before the time. Thanks. Somebody likes it. I promise you, the, the, the amount of brokenness that's in the church it's all because people demanded an inheritance before the time in whichever area that might be. And today, they are paying the price for the impatience. But this is not just doom and gloom. There is a good side to it. Okay, there is a good side to it. But people are battling because they've made, they've made, they've made agreements. They've, they've made covenants. When they were in a far land, like this young man, when they were in the far land, and because of the pressure of having spent all, and, and now you don't know where to go, what they've, they've actually made covenants with people they would never have made covenants with. All because they wanted the inheritance before the time. But the good news is, that when God deals with those distractions, because those are the distractions. When God deals and breaks those distractions tonight, when God breaks those bondages, when God breaks those ties, He unlocks you and you are free to walk out. 
you are absolutely free. When God said justified, you are justified. You are just as if you have never sinned. You don't have to walk around today because of pigsty moments of years ago. But there's a responsibility to deal with it. You cannot, cannot, cannot just say, I'm going to forget about it. Because the enemy hasn't forgotten about it. He tends to bring it up time and time again. And God has given me a prophetic line that I've got to put out for somebody here today. Not for everybody. So don't try and make it up and become the hero and this is for me. Because you might not be able to carry the weight of it. Let the Holy Spirit reveal to you if this is for you. Now, when a preacher has to drink water before he brings a prophetic word, you know it's serious, eh? <laughs> I wrote this down in my Bible. That someone here today, and, and, and you might not readily want to admit it, but you might have to go home and work through it. Somebody here today, you're battling today because every time you look back and you're reminded of your pigsty moments, you're seeing shallow graves of people's lives that you have messed up. In your past, there are shallow graves of people's lives that has died, maybe not physically, but emotionally. Because of that pigsty moment. And God is not asking you to go back to the person. Don't get messed the lies up again. But God's asking you to deal with it. Come before him. And deal with it. God is asking you to, to do what happened in verse 17. It says, but when he came to himself. God, God is calling you to an existential moment where you realize why He still allows you to exist because He wants to use you. He wants to, he wants to use you. He wants to, to do something with your life. And He wants to separate the past forever tonight. God is not the God that, uh, that wants you to, to drag your past around. He wants to sever the ties and let the past be the past. And He wants to bring you into the future that He has for you. That's the God we serve. He wants, he wants you to come to a place today where you come to yourself and realize it's time to arise and go back to God. And we have chatted over this last couple of days, myself and Fred, about this very thing. Where he says, I will arise and go. And some of us stop there. Some of us stop at, I will arise and go. What we identify there is people, you see when, when, when my phone goes off, it becomes more serious. It just switches off. Because I think the enemy wants to distract you too. He said, I will arise and go. And so a tendency has come in. 
that when, when a message is, is preached and the Holy Spirit brings conviction and the Holy Spirit starts stirring and the Holy Spirit actually gets you to a place where you want to jump out of your seat, I promise you, some of you are thinking, now, I wonder where they got the money for heated seats because you see it's getting pretty hot right now. But it's not because they spend money on heated seats. It's the Holy Spirit that's busy with you. And some of us, some of us when, we, when we're in that place, our mind has been trained somehow by society and somehow by church in general that I need to respond. And sometimes we will also say, uh, won't you respond to the word of God? And in, in our terms, that means walking to the front, standing here, somebody prays for you, ministers for you, you cry, they give you a tissue, some kind of lady comes up with a tissue, they give it to you, and, and, and then you go home happily. But nothing has happened yet. Nothing changes because next week you're feeling bad again. And the week after that you're feeling bad again because you only followed half of the instruction. He said, I will rise and go and then I will say, I have sinned. Responding is one part. Repenting is a different part. And you can come over and over and respond and your life's not going to change. God's calling us to repentance. Where there's a sorrowful repentance where we go before a holy God and we say, we have sinned before heaven and before towards whoever else it is. But where we repent of that sin and there's a remorse to the place where we say, God, really, in my life, I make it, in my heart, I make a decision right now. I will never go back to that again. You cannot, I, I, I really, the other thing, I, a picture I saw was that people, are, people are come, came back like the prodigal son. They've come back and they, re they have received the, 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 the cloak the, and they have received the ring. And they're sitting at the table and they're busy eating of the fatted calf. It's a feast. And then they jump up, put the cloak down, put the ring down, and they run to the pigsty and they just shove a couple of stuff in their mouth because they still want to eat there. That's because they've responded. They haven't repented. God doesn't want you to come every day. Some of us go back, and we actually read the scripture in the car today that a God, a, about a dog going back to its vomit. And I said to Fred, you know, it's some people, they will say to you, it's not that bad, it's chocolate-covered vomit. But you know, chocolate-covered vomit is still vomit. You can make it as nice as you want to, it's still gross. And, and the writer there actually says that if you find that gross, then, then going back to your sin over and over, that's gross. And some of us have a way of justifying why. But just because you manage to justify it doesn't mean you justify it. Justification is something that happens and you're cleansed and forgiven and then you don't go back to it again. You need to deal with it. So here today, God is asking you, come and do a spiritual audit on your life. Do a spiritual audit on your life tonight. And, and not just respond to what God is saying, but repent of what is wrong. We have, we have here we have here two responses. When this guy came to himself, he went to his father. He got the ring. He got, got the cloak. He got the fatted calf. But my heading still holds true. He didn't find what he was looking for.
he still didn't find what he was looking for. You know why? He was looking for acceptance and he got forgiveness. He was looking for a job and he became a son again. He still didn't find what he was looking for. His brother belonged to that French church called Les Miserables. His brother was a miserable, self-righteous guy. He came to his father's house and he also didn't find what he was looking for. He was looking for revenge. And he was, he be, all he got was a, a ticket to the grandstand of grace. He could see how his father treated his brother. He, he so wanted revenge. But he didn't find what he was looking for. Because what we are looking for is not found in man's actions. It's not found in man's actions. It's not found in possession. It's not found in if you're good or not. It's even not found in the fact that you haven't left. Because we look at the one that left as, as the really bad guy. But just because you haven't left with your feet, don't mean that you haven't left, left with your heart. Maybe for a while, your heart hasn't been with God. Your feet has been here. Your body's been here. But your heart hasn't been here. So as you approach the Father's house tonight, I'm going to end with this. As you approach the Father's house and you need, to, you need to do something about what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, you've got to arise and go, but you also have to say, I have sinned. As you do that, I want you to remember three categories. And how we need to deal with that. And even when, if there's some ministry, if some people want ministry, those who are going to minister to them and pray for them, please re remember this. When people respond and get prayed for, there are three areas that they need to deal with, that they could deal with. And I've, I've, I've worked it out all with S's so it's easy to remember. One, you, they might have to deal with sin. Some of us might have to deal with stripes. And some of us might have to deal with strongholds. It's not the same thing. Sin needs to be repented of. Stripes, woundedness, you need to be healed of. And strongholds, you need to be set free of. You cannot repent of a stronghold. You cannot repent of a wound. You cannot, cannot heal a sin. You've got to get the sequence right. Sins, if it's a sin issue that's your distraction, then you need to repent of that. If it's a, if it's a stripe, if it's a wound, if it's something in your life that you've been hurt, then you need to get healing of that and you need ministry for that. But if there's a, 
an issue where the enemy, where you've left a door open and there's still a soul tie of some sort, when there's still access for the enemy to come in and pull your strings and you wonder why you sound like, sound like the ancient church, church bell, because he's ringing you all the time. Because you left the door open so that he could get into that wall so he can pull the string for you. And you've just become a puppet to the enemy. God wants to break those ties tonight. God wants to set people free. But I want to say this, enough with the same old, same old. Of just getting up, standing here, and somebody's going to pray for you. You're going to cry and you're going to go back. No, actually access God. And I want to always say, before you pray for somebody tonight, just stand back and allow them to repent of their sins. You see, because some people think if they tell you, they've repented. No, no, this is not the Pope. We don't repent to people. And we don't need to hear what it is. You need to repent to God. Tell Him what it is. So, so I'm not going to drag this out. I'm just going to ask you, if you're not saved... And you really want to be saved. Do you want to walk with Jesus and, and become who he wants you to be? If you're not saved, they would like to be saved. Well, you just put up your hand. You need to accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior. Now, I'm not, you know what? You need to deal with your pride. Maybe your partner thought you were saved. <laughs> but before God, you realize tonight that you're not saved. Then deal with your pride and explain later to your partner why you've lied to them. But... Get right with God, because here's the thing. You can live without Jesus, but you cannot die without Jesus. So if that's you tonight, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I'm going to just do it just this once. If you need to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, put up your hand. I'll acknowledge it, and we'll pray with you. That's you. If pride is still an issue, then then speak to Yaku or one of the or the other elder here. But do not leave this place without sorting this matter out with God. And I always say you can miss a train, you can miss a plane, but you cannot miss the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There isn't another one. But if you need to deal with sin, if you're a born-again believer, and you need to deal with sin, strife, or strongholds, then I suggest you come up here, and I'm sure there's people that would like to pray with you. I'll do a prayer, and then other people will more specifically pray with you. Anybody in that three categories, sin, strife, and strongholds, if you need some ministry, come to the front, and we'll gladly pray with you. I really feel that if you've ever wanted to be a pioneer, be that tonight. If you've never led the pack anywhere, lead them to the front tonight. There's no shame in this. This is family. And we deal with this as family. Sorry? Just come stand here. Just come stand. Just stand here. And then we'll get leaders that will come and pray with you. I'll pray for you in general, but then people will pray more specifically. 
this, this is not the only key people God spoke to. Can we just be clear on that? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has spoken to people here tonight. And if God takes the time to press the pause button to speak to people, then surely we should take the time. Somebody had a word similar to that. I think it was you. That how would we worship God? Uh, you know what? If God takes the time to push the pause button so that he can get his message across, then we should take the time to respond. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to hand over to Yaku and his team. Father God, I thank you for this moment. But I pray that this will not be a moment just of response. People, that this won't just be a moment of stepping up so that I can tick a box and, 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 and just be appeased. I pray that these will be life-changing moments, my God. A moment where locks are set free and the cage is opened so that people can walk out up straight and their shoulders backwards because they know that they know that they have been set free. I pray that you will come and change lives. I pray that your Holy Spirit will not stop ministering to people in this very moment, but that your Holy Spirit will keep on nudging and, 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 and working in hearts of men and women so that the kingdom can be advanced. I know that you have a plan and a purpose for each person here tonight. And if that plan or purpose has been put on hold because of a distraction, I pray, Father God, give them the grace to deal with it tonight. Come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, and come and do your work through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to remain up here. Yaku and his team.